And the reason why I thought that that uh, mattered to us, especially today as we look at the scripture that we have before us in John chapter 6, we've come to the time in the Gospel of John where we're dealing with the fourth sign. Remember, we have seven signs, seven discourses, seven I am statements that we'll be talking about in the Gospel of John that we'll be looking at. And as we look at it, I, I, just, um, I just think all the pieces come together. I love it when this happens. So just so you know, for maybe I'll never be able to express it, but pretty much every song we sang in worship, everything we've talked about, everything we've discussed has uh, provided some setting to uh, the things that are on my heart to be able to get across John chapter 6, if you want to go through it with me together, we'll read it in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then and seeing the large crowd that was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy. Here he has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Jesus said, had the people sit down. There is much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Let's pray. Father, we just want to have eyes to see and ears to hear. God, may your spirit cut through all the garbage that is trying to interfere with uh, the receiving of the seed of the word. God, may we be open. May you, Lord, by your spirit, silent the voices that are speaking in our head. And may we just receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see Jesus at the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. He's, he's come to this area. It's, a, it's the Passover time. So I want you to understand all of these clues linked together tell us what's going on. Jesus is ministering, right? He's healing the sick. We read about it in the Synoptic Gospels. He would run into to sick people or blind people or lame people. He'd touch them. They would bring their sick out to him. And they would constantly, consistently bringing them to him, bringing them to him. 
In this particular case, Jesus was trying to get away with his disciples. So he, he sneaks off and he gets to the Sea of Tiberias, to, to another side of the lake. But the people actually knew where he was going, saw what he was doing, and they beat him there. So when Jesus arrives there on the, on the side, you have all these people traveling for Passover. They run into Jesus around the Galilee doing the things that Jesus is doing. They're excited about what does this mean? What is this all about? So a large crowd was following him because of the signs that he was doing. So Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. Now, if you go to Israel today, there are probably... Uh, six or seven mountains, which are the mountain that Jesus did this on. And if you take a tour, you can pick whichever one you want because nobody knows which one it is. But someone will put a sign up and say, this is the one. And people will pay to come see it. So we go to this mountain. Jesus has gone to this mountain and he sat with the disciples. The feast of the Jews was at hand, the Passover. And he lifts up his eyes and he sees all the people. Now listen, this is, honestly, this, I, 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 I used to pray that I would learn to see people like this. And I admittedly don't always. Well, I lift up my eyes and I see the crowds and I want to be somewhere else. That's why I live in Idaho, right? I, me and Kathy went on a motorcycle ride Friday. We rode up to Stanley. And all I could think of while I was in Stanley is, why are all you people here? <laughs> I belong here. This is Idaho. <laughs> I don't know what the rest of you are doing here. But, but when all the riots started... I was able to see all the people and I felt anger and I felt frustration and uh, all the feelings I guess a lot of other people felt, but mixed in that was compassion for the crowd. One of the other gospels says that Jesus looked at the crowd, had compassion for them, and he said this, they are sheep without a shepherd. They're full of zeal without knowledge. That's what I would say. And, and they might say, I'm full of peace without comprehension. Maybe I don't know what it is like to be them. Any more than they know what it is like to be me. But 19 years ago, when the towers came down, nobody cared. They just dug through the rubble, hoping they'd find somebody, right? Two people. That's all they brought out of the rubble. Two living. But I saw everybody. New York's finest, right? The police out, the fire department, who lost several people when the towers fell. You know what nobody was saying that day? Defund the police. But we forget our own memorial stones. And we get focused on what we hate about each other. Right? And if, and if, I'll, if I feed that inside of me, I'm no different. 
I could see myself standing on the other side of the street shouting and waving a gun and doing all of those things. I just don't know if I could see Jesus doing that. So we look at this, and the scripture says, he lifted up his eyes, saw the large crowd coming to him, (laughs) right? No peace, no rest for Jesus. Jesus said to Philip, hey, where are we going to get bread for all these people? Now, you know, Philip, I can tell you right now, as soon as somebody gets on, there's this unique thing that happens in ministry. So there are people who are in ministry, and there are people who want to be in ministry, and then there are people who have been in ministry and never want to do it again. And there's something that happens when you get into ministry. And I always picture being one of Jesus' disciples like getting into ministry, right? You're there with Jesus, but you're also there through all the stuff, right? There, there's endless people who want to talk to him, and Jesus doesn't seem to care how long you've been out there already. He just is healing the next guy, and, and you try to push the children away, and Jesus rebukes you, right? Hey, don't do that. Let the little children come. Right, and you're getting tired and you're getting weary. And before they were in ministry, being with Jesus, being in ministry looked like working behind the scenes at Disneyland. It's magic land, magical Christmas land where everyone's happy and everything's good. And then you get into ministry and you discover nope, they're the same people that everybody else is. And they have good days and bad days and long days, and they expect you to make more bricks and not use straw anymore. And so they begin to get disheartened and you lose your compassion for the people. Jesus never did that. That's just stuff we do. And then we justify losing compassion for the people because, well, I'm tired or this person did me wrong or that person did me wrong or this or that or the other. And again, that's another example you'll never find from Jesus who said, come follow me. Trying to be like him, to see the crowd and have compassion. And what does he say? Where are we going to get bread for all these guys? And Philip is like, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? It's time for us to go to bed. I don't want to feed these people. How do you guys do in heat? Does heat make you happy? <laughs> I see Riley looking at his wife who's pregnant. And I can imagine that conversation. So you better turn that air conditioner on. It better be on right now. It better be cold in there. Yeah? Look, we, we, uh, we, we rode out to Stanley and it's all pretty. And in Stanley, it's okay. It's actually a human temperature in Stanley. But as soon as you come down off the mountain, I don't know how hot it was yesterday, but it's too dang hot to be on a motorcycle. Everywhere we stopped, the guys would look at me and go, what are you doing on a bike? It's too hot. I says, I know, I don't have air conditioning on this model either. <laughs> so the hot gets you cranky. Now, go to the Middle East. About Passover time. Summer, for them, hot. Hot. Like, not Idaho hot. Like, Middle East hot. You just walked up the top of a mountain after walking all the way around a lake to get to where Jesus is. And the disciples, if you were the disciples, you just ran around the lake and got on top of a mountain to get away from the people. And you turn around and here they're coming. 
I imagine they're irritated. They're hot. Just want to cool off. I just want the night to come. I just want the sun to go down, right? I want all these things to happen. And then Jesus looks at them all and he says, hey, how are we going to feed these people? That's how ministry works. You either learn that you can be there for the people whenever and however the people need, or you don't. But if you're there for the people you're serving with, you will lose your ever-loving mind. Because they'll be rude to you. I imagine Peter looked over at John and said, John, you better get some of them barley loaves passed out. I noticed you've just been lollygagging and I'm working hard over here. You don't think that's happening? It just happens in our world, right? It just happens amongst us. Sure, sure. Them same disciples that are arguing over who's the greatest, right? Oh, I promise you, it's hot. Jesus, it says here that Jesus... Philip says, I don't know how we're going to do this. Verse 6 says, he did this to test him for he knew what he was going to do. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He already has a plan, but they don't know the plan. They're just seeing all the work of the plan. There's more work, there's more struggle, and these people, I don't know, Lord, why do you have compassion? Even if we had 200 denarii, almost a, a 200 days wages. If we had 200 days wages, we could not buy each one a little. So then at that moment, verse 8, Andrew does what he always does. Every time we see Andrew, what's he doing? He's bringing somebody to Jesus. In this case, he brings a little boy. And the word here for little child means little child. Little. It's not a 10-year-old, 7-year-old. It's a little child. Young, poor child. We know he's a poor child because he's got barley loaves. It says, Andrew Simon Peter said to him, there's a boy here. Five barley loaves, two fish, but what are they among so many? The word for boy is peraron. It means little, young boy. So, I don't know. It doesn't give us a year. But let's say this... Uh, five, six-year-old boy who's out there with his lunch. Mom and dad are somewhere, right? <clears throat> He's got probably everything the family had. That they, they were smart enough to bring lunch with them that day to go find Jesus. He had five barley loaves. That's poor man's bread. That's poor man's bread. That's whatever you can get at the dollar store that most people say, that bread ain't no good to eat. There's nothing of any value. Yeah, but I can afford it. And if I put enough peanut butter and jelly on it, it's not so bad. So they got five barley loaves. The word for fish means pickled, small pickled fish. So it's like he's got an open sardine can with two little fish in it. Because somebody already been pecking at some of the fish. He's got two little pickled fish, five barley loaves, poor man's bread, poor man's lunch, and Andrew says, what are we going to do with this? How, how is this going to help? So Jesus said, have the, people, have the people sit down. There's a lot of grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000. 
And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. We all are familiar. This miracle, this story is, is one of, let's say, two miracles that are in all four Gospels. One of those is the resurrection. The other, the feeding of the 5,000. And as John lays out this fourth sign that proves to us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that we might believe and have life in his name, he lays this out for a reason. And this ties back to our world as we look at our world burning and our people divided. Our nation under judgment to God for our wickedness, for our idolatry. If you don't think we're guilty, you are outside your mind. Everything that's happening in our nation, we earn. You sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. We find ourselves in this place, but we, the church, we, God's people, have a message of hope for a world who doesn't have any. Why does a does a, a bunch of people put on masks and burn down buildings and rob stuff? You can come up with all the reasons you want. I will tell you, they do it because they have no hope. They got no hope. And so I, my hope is if I steal enough stuff out of this store, I'll be happy. And you think when they run down the street with that giant TV, when they get it to their house, they're happy? No. Because there is no hope that satisfies. It's not a hope in Christ. But the church cannot be a channel of God's power unless she learns the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000. You cannot become a channel of the power of God unless you first can admit your powerless. We can't feed these people. Now what they said? We don't have the money. We don't have the stuff. We, we can't do this. We are powerless. We need <coughs> to celebrate our powerlessness. But that's not very American. We want to celebrate our powerfulness. But you can't be a channel of the power of God moving and working through you unless you can recognize you are powerless. That's step one. There's two steps. I got I to gotta recognize I don't have what I need. Well, let me give you an example. Abraham, you're 75 years old. You're going to have a kid. You and Sarah. Oh, we're old. We, that, we don't do that stuff no more. <laughs> All the kids should hold their hands over their ears and sing right now. <clears throat> we, we're not doing that stuff anymore. No, there's, there's no chance. There's no chance. 
They were powerless, right? 25 years he heard that promise. The last time he heard that promise, one year before a child was born. We cannot fix this. You are not going to fix it by the coming red wave. Now, I support the coming red wave. I'm all for the coming red wave. Just listen. There have been red waves in the past and nothing ever changed. 1972 Roe v. Wade, that was a Republican chosen Supreme Court. But if we don't admit our own powerlessness, we think we're going to vote this out. You're going to vote wickedness out of men's hearts. We think we're going to beat wickedness out of men's hearts. You know mankind's been trying this for the history of the world. And we've never been able to solve it yet. There's one person who has solved getting the wickedness out of men's hearts. And he does that by pouring the love of Christ in. The second thing we have to do is you have to put everything into God's hands. You have to put everything. That little boy didn't get to go, I'm going to keep one fish and a barley loaf for me, right? What happened to his lunch? The, the only kid, the only person that appears to be smart enough to have brought a lunch, five-year-old kid, and what happens? They take it. Right? You got to put everything in Jesus' hands. All of it. What is it? It's, it's Nothing. I have nothing. I have five barley loaves. And people don't even want to eat that. I have two pickled fish. What is this when the crowd's so many? How many times have you said, who am I? What can I do? You have to admit you have no power and you have to give everything you have into his hands. When we give everything we have into his hands, what we will do is we will obey what he says with the knowledge of his power. Abraham, you're going to have a child. So Abraham and Sarah tried to have a child for 25 more years. Until one day, they did. Abraham and Sarah obeyed, trusting in the knowledge of God's power. Believing that he is able, right? Not that they were able, but they obeyed. They obeyed for 25 years. We have to obey with the knowledge of his power. What can I do? I'm too small. What can I do? I'm sure there were people in New York that felt that way when the tower's in a giant pile. And people actually went out to this humongous pile that you could have worked on for months and months and months and months with, a, with heavy equipment. They went out there with buckets. 
just to try to help. I'm powerless. I can't do it. Lord God, you are all powerful. You can. Little is much if you put it into the hands of God. Obey what he's asking of you. And then know that God's power is for me. Now, here's where we stumble the most. Know that God's power is for me. Listen. <clears throat> Things don't always work out like we want. Um, I, got a, I still got a dumb house in California with a dude living in it who never has to pay rent because of the governor in California that I get to pay for. I get to pay his rent. I think that's stupid. I can't throw him out because, well, the governor passed a law that if you got during this time of COVID, at least until December, if you can't pay rent, don't worry about it. I still got to pay the house payment. Now, maybe I don't like that, but I know all things work together for good. It doesn't say most things, does it? Do you believe that the power of God is for you? Now, does that mean it will always be pleasant? I did not say the, it'll always be pleasant. The Lord never said it will always be pleasant. Will it sometimes cost me something? Sure, sometimes it costs you something. Yeah, I, I was gonna, we were, me and Kathy, see, God knows what's going on. We think we know. We, we took out, a, a, we, we refied the house when the interest rates went down and we took out money so we could do an addition. But instead of doing an addition, I get to pay somebody else's rent in California. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you the Lord. <laughs> so the good news is we have, we have the money. It was going to do something else, but that's all, it's all right. I know that God's power is for me. And it may not be according to my plans or the way I think things ought to go. But here's what, what I think about that. Jesus stood before Pilate. And he was absolutely calm before Pilate as Pilate is questioning him. Why? Because he knew that the Father was for him. Paul, when he prayed over and over again, Lord, take this thorn from my side, uh, you know, and the Lord said, no, no, no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul knew that God's power was for him. Maybe it was going to be hard. Maybe he would still suffer. Maybe it was still going to be pain involved. But God's power was for him. If we want to see, we, we keep looking at our world and thinking somebody is going to save us. Nobody is going to save us. We've already been saved. Jesus Christ came, died, was buried, rose again. He has provided for us an eternal salvation. Our nation is under judgment and condemnation to the Lord God Almighty for our wickedness. Period. So, we still have an eternal everlasting gospel that is the answer to the hopelessness 
of people all over the place. And somebody else isn't going to go. The Lord is saying to you today, how are you going to feed them? All those crowds. How are you going to feed the people who see things different than you? I don't have anything. I don't, I'm, I don't even speak well. Good, that's the exact same thing Moses said. You see how much he talks? First five books of the Bible is Moses. First, know that you are powerless. Then give everything you have to the one who is all-powerful. Don't argue with me about, well, what about the... I'll grant you all the what about does. Just do the stuff you know you're supposed to do. We'll just start there. How's that? We'll just start with the things we know that are clear. Hey, we want to obey God with the knowledge of his power. Know that God's power is for me. And listen... When the people saw what he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdraws himself again to the mountain alone. When Moses was on the mountain, at Mount Sinai, God's voice was speaking to the people. He spoke the Ten Commandments, okay? You go back in the Old Testament, God spoke from Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and the people were freaking out. The people were freaking out, and they said, we are powerless. We're too weak. We're too sinful. We can't handle God speaking to us. We can't handle being this close to God. Moses, will you go for us? So Moses went up. Received the Ten Commandments. They all got naked and danced around a golden calf. Remember? Moses came down and he said to the people, Someday a real prophet is going to show up. He'll be like me. He'll intercede for you before God. He will say, If you receive me, as Savior, I can bridge between the powerlessness you feel and the power of God. That prophet that the people said, he's the prophet, was the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the King, God's Son, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who can take our powerlessness and use it. But we got to give it to him like a five-year-old boy gave away his lunch. We got to give it to him just like that. Listen, the people wanted to come and they wanted to make him king. But here's the important, I, I can hear myself twice. <clears throat> but here's, but here's, here's the thing, right? They wanted to come make him king. But the crown does not come before the cross cross before the crown. Jesus came to die to pave the way so that we might be able to see the power of God move in our day. So we might be able to see the feeding of the 5,000 only. Maybe it's not feeding. Maybe it's just us speaking the truth to a world that does not understand what's going on. My niece is confused She's young. She loves the Lord, 
but she also struggles with racism and what, what she at least perceives as racism in the world. And she goes out with the young people in Arizona. She lives in Arizona and they gather together and they're angry and they're mad and they're, you know, do, they do the stuff they do. And she said on Facebook, she posted on Facebook, we are like sheep. Where are the shepherds? There's at least somebody out there asking. And until God's people pull in Isaiah and say, here am I, send me, nothing's going to change. And we'll, we will see a giant red wave go across the nation You'll see President Trump get four more years and maybe even have all the power of Congress and the Senate. But at the end of the next four years, man's heart will still be wicked. He will still wrong his brother. They need the gospel. They don't need another president. They have a Messiah. They need the king. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, the time that you give us, Lord, the opportunity to study your word. God, we thank you for the blessing of having Christine share her testimony of being on the ground, 9-11. Lord, we are thankful <clears throat> for your word giving us a challenge that we can be a part of the healing that needs to happen in our nation. We keep thinking it's somebody else is going to do it. But Jesus looked at his disciples and said, what are you going to feed them? If Andrew never brought that boy's lunch up before the Lord, what would they have done? And Andrew, he was tired. Philip was tired. Peter and John, they were tired. They were hot. They were cranky. They didn't want to do any more work. They just wanted to go someplace quiet. They just wanted to get away from the people. But Jesus looked out over the crowd and he had compassion on them because they are sheep and they need a shepherd. How will they hear if you don't tell them? How can you go if you're not sent? What's the value of the church? church can raise up and send out well it's hard for one man to stand alone but it's easy if you're in a group God I pray you fill us charge us equip us and send us be glorified in this place in Jesus name